PM board bombs. In July 2018, two emergency physicians established an elite podcast for emergency medicine education. Educators have been frustrated by their residents falling asleep during their lectures, and residents becoming frustrated with the ivory tower education becoming more ivory. An elite squad of two was recruited for this purpose. Their mission, teach the lost art of EM education, and to ensure that physicians who worked in the EDs provided the best care in the world, and to do it in the blue-collar manner EM physicians would most identify with. They succeeded. Today, the House of Medicine calls it Some ER Podcast. All EM physicians know it as EM Board Bombs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs episode. After that serious Top Gun intro, I don't even feel like going further, Blake. I think we can just end it here and just end it. Tom Cruise would be proud of us. I think he would be. We do our own stuff too. We do. That's right. That has resulted in some misadventures uh, in the past uh, with ketamine darts and other things. Yeah, but, exactly. We're um, good. You know, yeah. we get through it and, mm-hmm. you know, we do it for the pod. We give the people what they want at the end of the day. EM board bombs, as you know, 10 to 15 minute episodes. We drop high yield content with the blue collar EM podcast. We don't really get into the pathophys and all that other jazz. They're really capable, smarter EM docs that are more than happy to give you hour-long lectures about that. It's not us. Hashtag Ivory. Hashtag Ivory. And nothing wrong with that. We love them. We absolutely love them. Hey, let's jump into the STEM. A two-year-old, otherwise healthy girl is brought to the emergency department by her parents. She's been febrile for two days with a max temperature of 102 degrees Fahrenheit. And she's been increasingly irritable with decreased oral intake. The parents have also noticed a muffled voice since the morning. Parents brought her in because they think she strained her neck while playing on a new playground two days ago. And their biggest concern is getting an x-ray of her neck to make sure that there are no fractures. On exam, she refuses to move her neck and seems to prefer sitting upright. There is no strider. You tell them you definitely need an x-ray but certainly not worried about a fracture. You obtain a lateral neck radiograph that shows Prevertebral soft tissue swelling. What is the most appropriate next step in the management of this child? Is it A, arrange for immediate outpatient follow-up with the pediatrician within 48 hours, B, administer oral antibiotics and discharge, C, administer paraenteral antibiotics and schedule for an immediate surgical consultation, or D, intubation? What is it, Dr. Briggs? Great answer here is going to be choice C, administer parenteral antibiotics and schedule for immediate surgical consultation. And before we get into why this retropharyngeal abscess requires very rapid management, hey, give us the lowdown of EM rapid bombs. Yeah, so rapid bombs, a lot of rapid growth continuing with that podcast, our premium podcast offering two to four minute episodes weekly. We drop new episodes every week. And we have over 360 episodes now and counting. We have entire residencies as well as block subscriptions we offer as well. We've had plenty of residencies so far come to us wanting that subscription. So it's pretty awesome if you're at a residency now or a student and you want to sign up with a large group or multiple people, shoot us an email. 
and really providing some awesome EM education that way for board prep. We tell you what you need to know. We do some coaching aspects where we tell you how the test is going to ask that question as well as go through the answer choices. There's really nothing like it. We're the only question bank podcast in the world. And thankfully, it's for emergency medicine. Love it. EM rapidbombs.supercast.com. Check out the show notes as well. You can sign up there. And if your residency director needs a introduction or a free trial before they sign up your whole residency, shoot us a message. We'll let them have one. Hey, Dr. Briggs, can you get into retropharyngeal abscess? Absolutely. So RPAs, which we'll be calling the rest of this podcast, they're polymicrobial infections. They're most commonly occurring in children between the ages two to four. They can occur in adults. We'll talk about that, but they're very rare. This is a sneaky infection, and it can become a major problem fast. It involves a potential space, which we'll talk about in a minute here and why it's the theme of our, why we have the Top Gun theme today. Mm-hmm. It travels from the base of the skull to the posterior mediastinum. You learned about that back in anatomy class. The most common bacterial species are going to be things that live in the throat, obviously. So strep pyogenes, group A strep, Staphylococcus aureus, of course, because it's everywhere, and respiratory anaerobes, fusobacteria, and some others. Half of all retropharyngeal abscesses are associated with some type of preceding upper respiratory tract infection in children. Now, a quarter of all of these, typically in older children and adults, are associated with some type of pharyngeal trauma, like a penetrating foreign body, classically like a fish bone or chicken bone or something, um, any type of previous endoscopy or intubation, dental interventions, any type of work in that area. So let's quickly review the pathology here and the anatomy and then the presentation and talking about the management, which is actually very straightforward here. The retropharyngeal space is from the base of the skull to the posterior mediastinum, and it communicates with this lateral pharyngeal space, and it moves down into the posterior mediastinum, and that's scary. That's the fear of this infection. It can quickly seed and go down to, you know, the deep throat and chest and all that jazz. Uh, anyway, do you know what that means, though? Do you hear that music? Hey, I, I'm, I'm hearing it. This is classic. It's remind me of Tom Cruise again. Exactly. It's called, quote, the danger zone. And it's posterior to the retropharyngeal space. And that is where, you know, the potential pathology for retropharyngeal infection can happen, spreading into the mediastinum, causing acute airway obstruction. So you would call this a zone of danger? No, I would call it danger zone. Oh, okay. <laughs> would you say that we are flying into the danger zone? I would say that we are diving into the danger oh, zone. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Got it. So it's really important to know some of the epi behind this. What patient said that this is going to appear in? Um, so you're aggressive about it in the right patient population. What's happening here is the retropharyngeal nodes are becoming infected. They develop this cellulitis and possibly an abscess as well. These nodes are going to be most pronounced in children and almost always, and this is key. Almost always, you're going to be seeing these in children that are less than six years old. Over 96% of the time. Hey, Blake, did you catch that? Yeah, I was listening. Good. I was listening to Kenny Loggins too. Good, good. No, but that over 96% of the time is so key that this is in children that are less than six years old. The typical story and risk factor is this head and neck infection, like an otitis or pharyngitis. Less commonly, some sort of foreign body sensation or a child falling on a toothbrush in their mouth, uh, while, you know, again, that's less rare. But 
almost always it's going to be that preceding head and neck infection like otitis pharyngitis. So early in this disease, findings are going to be you know, similar to like an uncomplicated pharyngitis. Uh, in adults, a classic story is an accidental swallowed foreign body causing an infection by puncturing the posterior pharynx, like a fish or a chicken bone. But again, remember this is, in general, rare in adults. Children with retropharyngeal abscesses, they're going to appear very ill. They're going to have fever, uh, dysphagia, odonophagia, drooling, decreased PO intake, neck stiffness. They're going to have a change in their vocal quality. We mentioned that in the question stem, respiratory distress, neck swelling, and trismus. This is one of those weird symptoms. Chest pain can actually be seen in patients with medial style extension. The complications of RPAs are staggering. Mediastinitis, airway obstruction, necrotizing infections, spread to the posterior column causing osteomyelitis or meningitis, and less commonly, jugular vein seeding and thrombosis can occur. It also, I heard, can change the um, rise and fall of the stock market. Just in case you were curious, it may affect the housing market <laughs> right. too. There's a lot of other consequences to yeah. these. So if, if yeah, just making sure we're all on the same page. Right. And honestly, we're not going to get into the further downstream because we think we already yeah, bored exactly. you already. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. So it, the, the key, I think kind of the... Give us a bottom line. Yeah. Look, the rule of thumb is to think about RPAs in any child with a fever, severe sore throat, and a normal pharyngeal. That's golden. Exam. Love it. For sure. Hey, so when you're actually evaluating them, can you talk about some of the labs and some of the key imaging things, and then we're going to wrap yeah, this Yeah, so you're going to look for a white count. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> like, yes, yes, that is your yes. driver. Like right? so many things, white counts uh, don't really help. Anyway, so suspicion right. of an RPA warrants a rapid assessment in the ED. Uh, you want to determine the extent if there's any upper airway involvement. That's the most common cause of immediate death from these patients is airway obstruction. So signs of any airway obstruction, of course, can be anxious appearing child, just like epiglottitis. Child is in the sniffing position. They're sitting upright. They refuse to lay down, maybe some strider, etc. The labs, like I hinted at earlier, like so many infections, especially in children, labs alone are not sensitive or specific to really roll out any infection. Uh, we really got to change the culture on this. I still see us every day where I have to educate somebody that a white count can or can't really prove anything uh, if you're concerned about something. Yeah, if you if you are banking on a white count or CRP to help you make the diagnosis here when it comes to imaging or you know making that diagnosis, that is not appropriate. Let's talk about imaging here. So this includes two options. You have lateral neck radiographs and or a CT neck with contrast. The key being here, you have to have contrast. If the suspicion is low and there's no signs of airway compromise, the initial study has traditionally been a lateral neck radiograph, and it should always be obtained with extension on inspiration because any other positioning method could result in some false enlargement of the prevertebral space. That's difficult to do with kids. You can imagine certain kids are not going to tolerate that, especially if they're like less than two. So there are these assigned numbers to how much enlargement of the prevertebral space should occur depending on the cervical vertebra. I have seen these before on a lot of board prep uh, question banks. I've seen these in textbooks. Don't ever memorize these. You will never mm -hmm. be asked this on the test. Nope. And it's silly to remember this for practice. It's absurd. They yep. vary by age and the level of the cervical vertebra. So it's just a mess to try to memorize that. Don't waste your time. In mm -hmm. general, it has been relegated to only those 
where you have a low suspicion for retropharyngeal abscess. So that's another reason probably not to do a lateral neck radiograph if you're really concerned about this. If the suspicion is high, which obviously if you're thinking about it, that clearly means that it could be there. Because if you're thinking about this, this isn't very common. So clearly if it entered your brain as a differential, you should be concerned. Then you should probably do a CT with contrast here. And right. CT scans are the test of choice. They can differentiate between retropharyngeal abscess and cellulitis, and they can identify the extension of the abscess as well. So if the patient has respiratory distress, CT is omitted in that case, and the evaluation is in the OR. So that's when you're gonna call general surgery, pediatric surgery, whoever's at your hospital, whatever age your patient is. If they're clearly in distress and you're worried about an RPA and they can't lay flat for CT, you're calling the surgeon first and going from there. And uh, Briggs, I think it's really important to mention how that's the way this question will most likely be asked. And that's yes. why we present like it in, in this yeah. way, right? Is the emphasis here is not on 100% nailing that diagnosis. It's having that, you know, that pretest probability be so high and your exam just so concerning that you know what you're dealing with here and you're getting surgical management quickly. Right. Absolutely. And the management is going to be very similar to epiglottitis. The important piece is to maintain a position of comfort for the patient. Don't force the child to lay down on the bed. Instead, let the child sit in the mother's lap or sit upright if that's best. The airway support is gonna be crucial here. Our premium podcast, EM Rapid Bombs, they cover specific scenarios on how to approach these airways. If you subscribe to that, you can check out a three-part series that goes in-depth on RPAs. Mm -hmm. But in general here, the patients that are toxic appearing, the anxious sniffing position or any suprasternal retractions of breathing, they need a secure airway immediately. Now, there's no clear indication for surgical intervention in these patients. You'll never be tested on that. You'll never know when these patients need surgery. It doesn't matter. You're just going to call the surgeon anyway, whoever is appropriate that deals with RPAs at your hospital. And in general, patients with retropharyngeal abscesses, 2.5 centimeters and no airway compromise, antibiotic therapy for 24, 48 hours is a very reasonable thing. Well, guess what? Every single one of these people are going to the ICU every time. Right. And that's right. an easy enough yeah. answer. It's just like epiglottitis. Iltifat, give us the antibiotics here and then we'll wrap things up. So antibiotic therapy here is going to be pretty straightforward. It's going to be empiric treatment covering for a group A strep, staph aureus, and respiratory anaerobes. So that's going to be ampicillin, subactam, plus clindamycin. So unison plus clindamycin. You'll see a lot of other types of therapies that you can do. Some folks say just unison in isolation. Some folks say clindamycin in isolation. But again, you need to know what you're covering. Uh, but unison plus clindamycin, you won't go wrong with that. All these patients, they're going to be ICU admissions every time. Easy enough. Hey, that's another EM board bomb delivered. We would love it if you guys could drop us an iTunes review. We got a couple hundred on there, Briggs. We need to get to a thousand. Yes. We need to get to a thousand. Yes. I've seen a couple other ones, you know, coming on. I, we still never had the person who had the legendary review <laughs> reveal themselves. But I think if you leave such a legendary review, such as they, he or she left. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. you choose to be anonymous in life. So ah, it was so amazing. But if you leave an epic uh, Apple review, we will certainly call you out for it on our podcast and also uh welcome you revealing yourself as well and giving you a shout out and follow us on twitter facebook instagram all that stuff we're all over the place i think we've got over 10,000 11,000 12,000 on twitter i don't know it's gone crazy now yeah it's because we don't even care anymore 
I know, I know. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, when you have an MD PhD managing your Twitter account, I guess you know. So, <laughs> and Twitter, Twitterology, and, and Twitterology, exactly, exactly. But thanks, everyone. I will see you next time. Yeah, bye.